Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds. KGRA Radio. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cacciolillo, and today we have Justin Otto from the Dharma Junkies podcast. Thanks for coming on, Justin. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. So uh, what's your podcast about, man? Uh, well, it kind of started as a like an addiction recovery podcast. That was the inception of it. Was That was the idea. And it, it, it has since transformed into a something a bit more esoteric. I, I talk a lot about psychedelics. I talk a lot about like Eastern philosophies and Buddhism, um, the occult, you know, just things, things of that nature, you know, pr- probably stuff that your listeners would be pretty in line with anyway. Interesting. And like, like how do you connect those type of topics to recovery? I'm an insane person. <laughs> no, um, I, there's a, there's a lot of, first of all, like I, I'm a recovering heroin addict and I'm also a, a big fan of psychedelics. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't think that psychedelics are in any way addictive because if you do the proper dose of psychedelics, you probably don't want to do them again for a little while. But with all the clinical trials that are going on with psychedelics in regards to things like depression and PTSD and uh-huh. different, different types of addiction treatment, it just kind of correlates. That and as far as the, like the Eastern philosophy thing, uh, I'm, I'm also a Buddhist, so hence the name Dharma Junkie. Right. Yeah. So I spent about three months high on angel dust. Oh, wow. How was that? Um, it was okay. It was pretty cool. Like I will say like prior to it, I had a learning disability and afterwards I didn't. That's interesting. So so it it certainly rewired my brain. Hmm. That's, that's pretty fascinating. I, I, I have no experience with angel dust whatsoever. I've never tried it. That's one of the one things as far as drugs are concerned that I haven't tried. Yeah, it was popular when I was a kid, and it was cheap. Well, you're from uh, you're from New Jersey, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It was everywhere up there. So I hear. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was good. And then then I, I ran out, and I I had so much. I must have saved my money while I was doing it. And I, after that, I purchased I don't know a couple pounds of this uh. Pakistani and hash with opium in it. And then I did that for maybe another three months. Right. And then I started to get, after that, when I ran out of that, I was going through withdrawal. And it really started to suck. And then I was, after that, I was just sort of doing all kinds of shit that I didn't even like, you know, just to not to feel like crap. <laughs> right, right. You know? Oh, trust and, me, I, I get it. <laughs> and, and then I, you know, I had some brushes with death where I was like, well, or I was mixing things and overdosing, and and plus, I I had epilepsy and I didn't know it, so alcohol was giving me seizures and making me black oh, out. And damn it, man! And, and so very quickly at a young age, I just sort of reached the end of the road with all that stuff. Right? How, how old were you when when you kind of came to when it all kind of came to a head for you? Nineteen. Oh, wow. That is pretty early. Yeah. That's what most people are still experimenting at that point or haven't even started. Yeah. I, I had started when I was about 12. No, I made it to, I made mm-hmm. it to 19. 
And and I was fortunate, man. I, I kind of hooked up with some sober Hell's Angels. Oh wow! And uh, and they they were just they replaced my old friends basically, and gave me something new to do, and, and took me out of my bad environment. Right. And, and that's what I really needed at that age. Like I couldn't have at that at that age. I wasn't concerned really about spirituality or. No, no, any, any of the the, the um, psychological crap, you know. I, right. I still wanted to just hang out and have fun, yeah. but without dying. Right, right. Well, yeah. There, there's always that. D- dying is always a joy killer, man. Mm. Uh, I mean, depends on what your what your goal is. True. If, true. if that if that is your goal, then it's not necessarily a joy killer. I wouldn't wouldn't think. Well, no, I mean, I've had near-death experiences like during those seizures and stuff. I had one not too long ago, and it was actually kind of cool. But, I mean, as far as, like, a joy killer in its world. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just a permanent end to the party. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> 100%. Well, I mean, it's an end to this party. It's an end to the, uh, the meat suit party. Right. Exactly. And... um. So with the, like the Eastern stuff, like, um, were you like ever into that? Oh, what's that guy's name? He recently got busted for like banging young girls. Which one? Oh. I think everybody just got busted for banging young girls. I know. Okay, he wrote he wrote a book, um, Dharma Punks. Oh, Noah Levine. Yeah. Have you ever read any of his stuff? Or what do you oh, think yeah, no, I, I, yeah, no, I've had uh, a little bit of an interaction with Noah. Um, he, I mean, I, I don't really know him well enough to, you know, like at all. I mean, I've, I've kind of had some back and forth with him on, I think, Twitter uh-huh. or in, Instagram. But, I mean, that's been my only interaction with him. I know he's, you know, he wrote uh, Dharma Punks, and he was pretty, you know, influential in the refuge recovery um, meetings that are they're going to end the book he wrote the refuge recovery book which I, I i for a while i was attending refuge recovery meetings here in pensacola and then you know the whole covid thing so they stopped really happening so much they were more zoom i think they're starting they were starting to do them again but then uh where they were doing them at they had some hurricane damage so they had to go back to zoom so but I, as far as like noah himself like i said i don't really have enough like a priori knowledge of noah to really speculate on anything that he has or hasn't done. I've watched some of his stuff on YouTube and he seems really uh-huh. insightful. He knows his shit as far as the Dharma is concerned. And yeah. I mean, if you can look, I, I'm man, I'm, I'm just not one of these social justice out for blood cancel culture people. That's just not me. So yeah, we, you know, we all, we all make mistakes. We've all, you know, at one point that was probably just the, the extent of his knowledge. It was the best he was doing at the time. And he, he probably just fucked up. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what happened. So I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm not going to, I'm not in his corner. I'm not, not in his corner. I'm Switzerland in this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It, it seems to be a, a, a common thing. That, well, actually like Trump of Rinpoche, like he was just out and about with it. You know, he like married a 16 year old girl. Oh yeah. Choking Trump. For sure. Yeah. He, he, he just didn't give a shit. Yeah. And then, there was that recent thing with his son and they made like this huge big deal about it and, and like kicked him out. And 
in out of Shambhala or like whatever. I'm not exactly sure what happened. I was getting emails about it. Right. Well, I know, I know that uh, like Noah Levine was uh, somewhat disbanded from the Spirit Rock Center. You know, Jack Cornfield and right. Yeah, all those cats. Tara Brock. So I know I know they said he can't. He's not allowed to teach anymore. I don't even see how they have the authority to say that. I mean, I I don't know how that's all structured and, but I don't know. How about oh, what's that other guy? The dude who's like into Godzilla. <laughs> uh, who is that? I don't. I don't think I'm familiar. I I'm, I might be. I might have heard that in basketball. He's a Zen dude. Ooh, I have no idea. He's written a couple, quite a few books. Really? And he used to be a writer for uh, SuicideGirls.com. Huh. I don't um, know, but now you've got oh, the book was Hardcore Zen. Okay, okay. That's what it was. I can't remember his name. I don't know. He he He's sort of on and off the grid, sort of. But, okay. But he used like ordained and then he just sort of gave it up. Oh. But he still writes a lot of Buddhism. Uh, Brad Warner. Yes, that's who it is. Brad Warner. Yeah. No, no, I haven't actually haven't delved in any, any of his stuff. The most Zen I get is Alan Watts. Right. Alan's great. Oh, he was amazing. What an amazing individual. Yeah, absolutely. What, what, um, do you, what type of are, are you considered like a Tibetan or what type of Buddhism do you practice personally? Um, you know, I don't have any particular lineage that I follow. Um, I do believe it's, I, I do see a meditation teacher, uh, Mikey Noshell with wild heart meditation out of Nashville. Mm. And I, I, you know, I have asked him his lineage, which would technically be my lineage. And I, I just can't remember what, what it was, to be honest with you. It, it, it was so unimportant to me. It just seems trivial. As long as you're, you're doing the work, the lineage doesn't mean anything to me, you know? It just I seems totally like understand. Like when I was in New Jersey, I, I would go hang out with any group. You know, there was like the, this Tibetan group I used to go to all the time. Right. There was a Zen group I would go to. Um, there were these guys, there were actual monks from Sri, Sri Lanka that were there that were building this giant Buddhist statue not even hanging out with them. And they were kind of oh, funny. Cool. They, they would just fall asleep on the floor while meditating. <laughs> Hysterical. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so I never really, I mean, I did become ordained as a Zen lay priest for a while. And I think maybe like that's one of the things that I had a problem with is I couldn't completely commit to one certain path or one certain belief. Because I think they all have something good to offer. Well, you know, the thing about Buddhism and the, the same thing with Christianity and, and I think most religions is when, you know, they all start from one particular area and then they, they spread outward. And when they spread outward, they kind of encompass the culture that they encounter so that they almost kind of symbiose with whatever religion already is in place. So that, you know, in, in Tibet, you get a lot of the, the Hindu aspects of it. And then when you get, you know, further East, you bring in more of the Zen aspects. 
So, you know, it's going to, it's going to kind of take in whatever, you know, it's going to connect to whatever it encounters. So, you know, as, as it moves, it's going to, it's going to change a bit, you know, it's going to just kind of, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. So, so how did you, so what was your, your path, like your journey, like from like being a heroin addict to um, becoming interested in meditation and Buddhism? Okay. Um, Interesting story, actually. I've always kind of been interested in Eastern philosophies and um, Eastern religions. I've, like I said, just had an interest. Now, uh, in 2014, I ended up going to jail and was there for a, a year. Over the course of that year, um, while I was in, I was in actually in a work camp, and I was looking for a book to read one day, and I happened upon this book by uh, Bo Lozoff, who has since passed away. I think he passed away probably maybe 15 years ago now, something like that. I'm not exactly sure. But he was a, a follower of Ramdas, and he had wrote, wrote this book, called Be Here, uh, not Be Here, now that that was Ram Dass. It was called uh, Free on the Inside. And it was designed with people that were incarcerated in mind. And it kind of gave me this idea that while I was there, because, you know, you're in jail and you ain't fucking going nowhere, man. (laughs) It's like, all right, well, while I'm here, I'm going to make this kind of like my monastery and I'm just going to be a monk here. And I'm going to study this and I'm going to meditate and I'm going to practice yoga and I'm going to, you know, just really, really try to sort some shit out while I'm here. While I've got the time, while I've got this imposed retreat, I'm just going to follow this and, and see how it works for me. Cause I, I had to have something, you know, there's a lot of people in there that were still doing drugs because it was a work camp and they were brought in pretty frequently. There was a lot of people there that just gambled all the time. Me, I turned to Buddhism. So that's kind of how I got my start with that. I didn't really start taking it super seriously until I, actually got a rehab and that was in uh march of 2019 cool um how how does the practice of meditation help you it's a you know a lot of people have a lot of misconception about meditation they think it's uh it's designed to turn your brain off and just not think and that's pretty counter to the actual intention of meditation, which is to note your thoughts, to let them come in, note them, observe them and let them pass out and process them because that's the only way you're going to be able to ever get over any of the bullshit you've got going on in your life is by sitting in it, not dumping substances on it by sitting in it. And that's what meditation is for. I mean, it's also a very relaxing Uh thing uh, for me because I, you know, I don't know if you have a particular meditation practice, but mine is very classic, you know, cross leg, seated, upright back, hands on the knees, you know, breath work for the most part, breath work. Yep. That's pretty much what I do. Do you close your eyes or do you keep them half open? Um, Sometimes I, I, I keep them half open. Most of the time they're closed though, generally. All right. This is what works for me. Yeah, I, I guess my, my first meditation teacher did, told me the half open technique. So I guess like, because that's the first way I learned how to do it. That's the one I've always kind of stuck with. Right. Um, that makes sense. How, 
like I know for me personally, it was a huge revelation for me to be able to sit there and watch my thoughts and not have to engage them. Right. Exactly. Watch them and to realize that they're just thoughts and I'm not them. They're, they're not me. Yeah. They're not reality. You know, and, and, and like 95% of the stuff that I think is just bullshit. I'd say probably 99.5%. <laughs> I mean, if you're me, I don't know about you, but most of the shit that go, I'd say anybody, honestly, all that chatter that goes on. No, nah, it's just real, man. It's a, it's a funny game. Your, your brain likes to play. It's, it's like playing tricks on you, man. Trying to, trying to lure you. It's Mara trying to lure you. Yeah. Actually, I just got a tattoo of Mara on my chest. Oh, yeah? That's awesome. Yeah. I wanted to get something scary, so I thought Mara would be cool. Yeah, Mara's my cat's name. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and she's pretty scary. She's uh, mean. I think I might have made her mean just by naming her Mara. Because <laughs> she I, is a, a terror. That's great. The cat I have now is like this big, fat, ball of fur that just loves to lay on me all the time <laughs> but before that cat i had a cat named x-pac named after the wrestler and he was like a, a black cat and, and he was mean as hell he, one night i was sleeping and he tried to like claw out my eyes oh jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm lucky uh once the once the lights go out she's she's pretty pretty nice if they're on though, she's still at that that super young kitten stage. She's only about three months old. And mm-hmm. She's man, ankle biter. Yeah, that's my dog right now. <laughs> my, my dog loves to chew on my leg. That's it. Better than the alternative, right? Right. Yeah, we named him Bubba, but with an H, so it's like B U B B H A. Interesting. But but he's far from a Buddhist dog. <laughs> Maybe he's a good teacher, though, because he teaches me patience. Yeah, yeah. I used to have a phone like that. <laughs> <laughs> so with your podcast, like, what kind of, uh, like, what guests have you had so far that you've really found interesting? Man, I, I found, honestly, I found something interesting about every guest I've had. I mean, that's why I tried to book them in the first place. If they were, I only try to have people that I find either interesting or inspiring on in mm-hmm. some, you know. but um, if, if, let me think, who are the high points? Dick Kahn, he wrote DMT and My Occult Mind and uh, DMT and My Occult Mind 2. And I think he's working on a third one actually right now. He was amazing. Super interesting guy. I, I recommend him as a guest if you like talking to a crazy Brits because he is a crazy, crazy, crazy <laughs> Londoner, but no, he, he was amazing. Super cool guy. Um, he was really good. Catherine Machen, who uh, does like the most amazing space art I've ever seen. She does this just beautifully painted art of like the cosmos and the universe. And it's just breathtaking. Absolutely. Very, very cool. But like I said, man, I'm, I've really enjoyed just every... Amy Dresner was really good. Um, she wrote My Fair Junkie. She's super funny. It was a really good talk. Like I said, though, I, I've really enjoyed every one of them, man. There's not, there hasn't been one that I haven't enjoyed on some level. 
You're lucky so far. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, and then, you know, that, that's the ones that have shown up. Most of them just cancel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've been lucky with the cancel. I've had a couple cancel or not show up. But I, I just look at it as like, you know, it just wasn't meant to happen. Yeah. yeah. You know. And I mean, That's kind of the way you have to look at it. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I mean... Because I, I I don't book all my guests myself. I do get some from publishers and publicists and stuff like that. So sometimes I do get some that are a little difficult to interview. Difficult in what way? Um, I don't know. I got it's hard, it's hard for me to. I got like I've had guests that, that just come on and, and they're like automatically defensive. There's one, I'm not going to mention his name, mm. but I had one guest who was, I thought the episode was going to be fun as hell. And he was just so defensive. Right. And so serious. And it was just, you know, that sounds like a fucking bummer, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and like he kept like, like, well, he's like, he would say, do you know this person? And I'm like, no. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> he'd get all mad at me and stuff. Like, I'm supposed to be like an expert on his field. When I was like, dude, you're on my show because you're an expert in your field. <laughs> right, right. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm the asking one who's supposed here. to know all this stuff. You're supposed to be yeah. like teaching me and my right. listeners. I'm asking questions. Exactly. <laughs> That's the whole point of this. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and, and I would say definitely my, my, my best guest has been, been Lon Milo Duquette, definitely. Yeah, that's super cool, man. I mean, not only was he, I, mean, I was surprised that he said yes, um, but just, just some of the way, the way he described the Kabbalah and stuff was just mind-blowing. And, and just to, to hear it coming from him was so cool. Yeah, I, I wasn't actually familiar with him until he was on the – the Duncan Trestle family hour, not that long ago. Hmm. And I, I listened to the interview that Duncan did with him. And then I, I kind of did some digging on him and started reading some of his stuff. Yeah. Super cool guy, man. That's a, yeah. that's a, that must've been a really good time. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. And, and he, like he's friends with Israel Regardi when he was with the golden dawn. And I thought that was really cool too. Yeah. Because Israel Regardi's books had a huge impact on me when I was younger and looking in the different spiritual paths and trying to find my way. You didn't find ritual magic to be for you? Um, it's a lot of work, man. It really is. You know? Um, I, 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 do, I think that, that ritual magic and, and meditation are almost the same thing. You know, in, in ritual magic, you have focal points, and in meditation, you just use your breath. Right. So, so I, in some ways, like a lot, I know, I know a lot of people will disagree with this, but 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 meditation is just a stripped down version of it. I, I've I've heard that. I've heard that. I mean, I, I'm not the the world's greatest you know scholar on on magic by any means, or or Buddhism for that matter, but. 
uh, I've heard that there's a lot of similarities between meditation and, and magic, but magic is almost a, a like a quicker route to what you're seeking. Like, and it's I think it's it was put that it's more designed mm-hmm. with Western culture in mind. It's like because because of the focal points that it, that it has within it. Well, like me when I was talking with Lon about it, um, you know, I, I asked him like about you know differences between meditation and, and ritual magic. And he said that ritual ceremonial magic is designed for the Western mind that has to stay busy all the time. And it's designed to wear the brain down until it just gives up and sees everything as a whole. Where meditation, you just sit down and let the mind wear itself out by just sitting still. Right. So they're, they're opposite approaches to the same thing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I heard. Just, just better stated. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can thank Lon for that. description. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get the chance to talk to him at some point. And I, I will. Yeah. Just send him an email. Yeah. I think I'm willing to. That's a great idea. Um, so, so in recovery, you know, like I know like a lot of 12 step programs, mm-hmm. um, they talk about like a lot of God stuff. What's oh, yeah. your opinion on that? God and, and, and having like this white light experience and, and that kind of stuff. I think that I can't, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not, not a Christian. I was, I was raised in, in, you know, in the church, not heavily, but my grandmother was very big church goer and, you know, Sundays were, were a guarantee that I was getting, getting drugged there against my will. And, you know, from an, <laughs> from an early age, I was like, this kind of seems like bullshit. But what I've noticed, especially since kind of going down my own spiritual path with uh, Buddhism and I, I'm really just theology in general. I, I really try to study all religions. And I mean, obviously I am a Buddhist, but having studied, you know, really just in the past few years, just really studied theology. Everybody seems to be seeking the same goal with different names. You know, it's what the, uh, the Chinese would call Zen or the, you know, Buddhists would call enlightenment or, you know, uh, the Christians would call heaven. Uh huh. Um, it's all the same thing. And, and I agree with you a hundred percent. That's why one of the reasons I really like having like sort of like spiritualists on my show a lot. You, they, they tend to have, they, they look at it as all the same thing. You know, it's like all, all these different religions were just sort of extended masters just trying to teach people how to do the right thing, get to the same place. Right. And the see, I think it's important to note that that place is not a geographic location. Right. It's a, it's a state of mind. Because heaven isn't a place. It's a, like I said, it's a state of mind. You know, even even in the Bible, is a, the kingdom of heaven lies within. So you know, you you can live in heaven, or you can live in hell, and mm-hmm. you can you can do that right now. You don't, that's not a, a when you die thing. That that's every day. Yeah, and you have the choice. You know, I lived in hell for many years as an addict, and I I know that the opposite is possible. It's possible to live in heaven because I do now. Not to say I still don't have days that seem like uh-huh. hell, but they're nothing compared to what they used to be. Yeah, it, it, 
and you know how to get out of it. Well, yeah, I have a better understanding of it. Yeah, like when, when you're using and you've given up your free will, it's like there's no escape to it. That's correct. It's just a <laughs> constant onslaught of misery. And, you know, the, the first noble truth is that life is suffering. So once, once you understand that life is mostly comprised of suffering and, you know, but there is a way out of that suffering, it makes it a lot easier. But you have to have the suffering. You have to have the, the polarity of the suffering to have the other side of, you know, happiness. Because if you've never... If you never suffered, you're never going to know what true happiness is. Right. What do you think about, like, how useful do you think it is to turn suffering into something that's fun or humorous? I think it's absolutely useful. Because there's no good or bad experiences. There's just experiences. There's just, it just is, you know? There's no good or bad. You you put the connotations on it. There's just experience. It's how, it's how you react to it that gives it its good or bad nature. But I think it's super important to laugh at the misery <laughs> as, as much as it is to, to smile during the good times. Yeah. I think laughing at the misery is kind of what heals it. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. And that's okay too. Because crying can be very cathartic. Oh. I think the last time I cried was probably the day I was born. Oh yeah, that, that's unfortunate. I cried the <laughs> other day while while I was at work making meatballs. <laughs> Not because I was making meatballs, but I just had this. I was listening to some music and it was particularly moving, and it just kind of brought a tear to the eye. Wow, so it wasn't onions. No, 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 no. There was I no to onions get those, involved. I mean, there was definitely onions involved, but I try to get those out of the way early. <laughs> that way, I don't have to suffer throughout the day. Right. See, if you go into it with suffering, if you start with the onions, then the rest of the day is pretty easy. So you start with the onions. I think that's a good metaphor for life. Just start with and, the onions. End with the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> you end with going home. <laughs> um, do you think there is meaning to our suffering? Or like something that we're supposed to learn from it? Absolutely. And what I would that our, be? I think it's pretty individual. I think everybody's experience is very individual. So it's really up to you what, what, what the message is. It's up to you to decide what the message is. It's up to you to decode what the message is. I think that suffering is absolutely necessary, though. I think failure is necessary. I think the suffering from failure is necessary. I think it helps growth. I think, um, you know, how are you ever going to learn how to succeed unless you fail? So. And that, you, that, that's across the board with anything. Right. I mean, you can, yeah. Do you think human beings are spiritual beings? That were spiritual? I think. Or like the existence of a soul? Like is, that's one of those controversial things like in Buddhism that sometimes I disagree with. What's that? The, the the existence of the soul? Yeah, because like like some I know some will say you know like you reincarnate, but it's just your mind, your consciousness that reincarnates. But what I mean, is what, even what, the what? difference between that 
mind type of idea in a soul type of idea. I, I don't think there is a difference. I think they're, they're interchangeable. I think your soul is your consciousness. And um, do, do you believe in reincarnation? I don't not believe in reincarnation. Like, I don't have enough concrete evidence, obviously. Nor, I mean, nor does anyone else. I think it's entirely possible. I think it's certainly on, on you know, at least on the table as much as anything else is. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. You ever see like, like when he, like, like say, say for example, like the Dalai Lama dies and then he's sending out these monks right, looking find, for the, find the Dalai next Lama, Lama yeah. and he brings some of the Dalai Lama's like, Personal belongings, it's right. And if, they, if he touches, yeah, the the correct items, picks yeah. the yeah. I can't remember. There's a specific name for that, and I can't remember exactly what it is. Yeah, I don't know what it is either. But yeah, I think I think reincarnation could could be a thing. Why not? You know, I mean, then, like I said, if Bigfoot could be a thing, reincarnation could be a thing. <laughs> Do you think there is a Bigfoot? And do I think there's a large bipedal hominid living in the Northwest United States or elsewhere? Yeah. Um, no, no. I think, I think we would have seen it, seen something by now. I, I just don't, I, yet again, I'm, I'm maybe, but I, I'd have to say no on that one. No. Yeah. So you think the uh, Patterson footage is fake? I'm, you know, I'm not familiar. I'd have to review it again. I'm not even sure. I, I'm not much into cryptozoology, uh, so I, I haven't really followed it enough to to know exactly which footage the Patterson footage was. Is that the the classic? Yeah, it's the classic Bigfoot picture of right. him by a creek. Right. Huh? I don't know, man. That that's really the video quality is so bad, and I don't know. I've done a lot of drugs. Who knows? <laughs> I'm, go, I'm going to go with Bigfoot out there in Israel. What about, uh, what about the uh, skunk ape? It's the same thing. In fact, there's actually not too long ago, a really good thermal video came out of a skunk ape. Really? Um, yeah. And I interviewed a guy who knew the guy who took it. And he was supposed to be in my show, but I haven't been able to quite set that one up yet. Right um, but they did invite me down to Florida to go uh, looking for the skunk ape. Right they, what, what, what part of uh, Florida are they based in? Um, they're outside of Orlando. Okay, so Central Florida. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's about eight hours, I guess, from from us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, definitely if if there is a skunk ape, that's for sure skunk ape territory down there. I would think probably even up here where I am in Alabama. Oh yeah, for sure. But I'm I'm right next door to you over here in the Panhandle. So yeah, they, if there's if they're out there, they're here. Yeah, because there's so much wilderness still. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I grew up hunting and, and fishing down here, and I I've never never even a never even an inkling of an idea that there might be something. You know, just I've never seen any kind of evidence to point in that direction, mm -hmm. but. I mean, that's just my experience. I'm sure there are people that have. Otherwise, there wouldn't be these photos that pop up and all these stories. I think a lot of it could be a little bit of hysteria on some people's part. But like I said, I, I'm not enough. I'm not educated enough in cryptozoology 
and haven't had enough experience with it to really say one way or the other. Yeah. I talked to a guy, I had a job doing uh, selling cell phones and I talked to a guy who was a hunter mm-hmm. and I asked him if he ever saw a Bigfoot while he was hunting. And he said, his answer was, I have a better chance of seeing a Bigfoot than I do a deer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's that's pretty funny. Where was this at? It was here in Fairhope. Oh, okay, okay. That that makes sense then. <laughs> you saying all Fairhope people believe in Bigfoot? No, I'm just saying that the, that the Southern Alabama is drastically overhunted, and the deer are small and skittish anyway. So, yeah, it's weird. Like I I think I've only seen one deer since I've been here. Yeah, I mean, if you can call them that. You're from and New Jersey. You've actually got deer up there. In New Jersey, you see yeah. herds of them just walking down the street. Yeah. I mean, like they're, they're few and far between, and they're very small down here. Yeah, I think it's, it's just the heat. I would think with all the food sources and everything, that they would be thriving here. You would think so. Like I said, they're, they're pretty overhunted down here, too. So. Hmm. I don't know anything about the wildlife down here. Like I was surprised, like seeing armadillos. Oh yeah, those things are crazy. They're everywhere. Yeah, leprosy, man, leprosy. Do people really eat those? Like armadillo on a half shell? I mean, there there are some some people out, you know, in the more rural areas that probably do still, but not so much. I mean, I've never never eaten that shit, and I grew up down here. Hmm. In fact, like my my grandparents when I was growing up, lived out in uh, Molino, Florida, which is super rural, uh, in the northern part of Escambia County, and they like they didn't have running water or electricity when I was growing up. So that's my experience with rural. You know what I'm saying? Like super super rural. They were bush people. No, nah, he was just a, a crazy ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I suspect he was probably a, a, a Nazi at heart. Really? No, for sure. He had a, no, you know, no, he was definitely, I, you know, I don't even suspect it. My grandfather was definitely a Nazi. Was he German? Uh, he, I like, think he liked to think he was German, but I've done some research on our, our, on our genetics and it, our family actually came from Norway. So, but no, he definitely, uh, I do when I was growing up cause I didn't really spend a whole lot of time over there because he was so insane. But uh, he was uh, actually an Escambia County Sheriff's deputy for a long time. But I remember going over there and he had just more firearms than any, any one person should ever have. And they're all like mounted on the wall and shit. They're like really crazy. He had like crates of grenades and a big swastika flag. Yeah, he was definitely a Nazi. Probably up to some shady shit. Wow. Yeah, super weird, huh? I tried to not go over there very much because, eh, didn't really want to hang out with Nazi grandpa. He was, kind of a, he was kind of a prick, as you can imagine. Yeah. Like, like my grandfather, well, he, my grandfather came here from Italy. And, like, he could literally, I mean, he could live off the land. My grandfather used to, like, you know, have goats. And, right. And he would, like, make, like, snapping turtle soup and frog mm-hmm. legs and, and, and all that great dandelion wine. <laughs> I right. mean... Almost everything he did, he, he, he made and grew himself. That's awesome. Yeah, my, actually, my, my grandfather on my mother's side actually was a, an Italian immigrant. So. 
And I bet he could cook. He could. That him, he could cook. His parents could cook. That man, them, that's how I learned to cook. Was from oh. uh, just oh, passing, you know, hand, hand me down, hand me down uh, teaching through my grandmother because um, he died when I was like a year old. But hmm. the cooking lived on. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, like my mom was a terrible cook. <laughs> my grandfather lived about a block away, so that's where I'd have to go get food as a child. Man, I'm from the South. Everybody's a good cook down here. <laughs> or at least they were when I was growing up. That's cool. Yeah. I, like by the time I was old enough to get to the pizza place by myself, that was it. <laughs> that's I learned how to eat pizza. Never even bothered to learn to cook. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a lot easier to just uh, order a pie, huh? Yeah, especially if you're just one person. I never understood like a person who's just going to cook for themselves. Dude, I, I cook for a living, and I mean, I've I've I learned how to cook when I was super young, and I've been cooking pretty much my entire life, and I still don't like cooking for myself. Like it, it's just I don't see the need to prepare a whole meal for myself. Like I will just heat something up or make a sandwich or, you know, I don't have time for all that shit, but you know, I think cooking is an act of love and you cook for people that you care about. So I love cooking for other people, myself, not so much, not that I don't love myself. I just don't want to go to all that trouble for myself, mostly because I don't want to have to clean it up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do always prefer to, I think coming from the Italian background, is, is just eating with people. And, exactly. And when I live in, the, like, I don't do it down here because uh, most people, I think, are, are afraid of me. <laughs> but, but in New Jersey, you know, like, I, I would literally eat out with my friends almost every night. And I did that for, like, 15 years. That's awesome, man. And, and I would actually like coax people into like eating out. I'd be like, look, you know, the, the man who eats alone dies alone. Right. But, but, but there's like that social aspect that, that bonding yeah, and something that happens when you're just hanging out with people eating good food. Right. Just having a good conversation over good food. Yeah. That, that's one of the most connecting things you can do as a person. I think is sharing a meal with someone. I do too. There's, there's just something special about it. Yeah, it's, it, there is. There, there is. There's a sort, a certain sort of, almost alchemy to it, that that brings people together, and it's it, it's fascinating. I, I, that's why I've always, even the the food culture, I, I've always thought was fascinating. That's why I've always enjoyed working in restaurants. You get a special breed of people that work in restaurants. Yeah, yeah. Like like here, it's like at least like in Fairhope, there's a lot of good places to eat. And I mean, I found some people that are willing to hang out with me, but not too many. Right. I guess because I'm a Yankee. Nah, maybe. <laughs> people, people, people down here are weird, especially on the Gulf Coast. They have a, they're unique. They are. They're, they're very outgoing, but they're also very private, and it's, it's a, it's a strange combination. It's they're they're very difficult to read. I'll say that. It's very hard to tell if somebody likes me or if they pretend that they like me and then they're going to talk shit behind my back. Yeah, that's that's mostly what you'll get down here, I think. <laughs> that's been my experience. So it's not my imagination. 
No, no, it's certainly not your imagination. Like I said, I can't speak for Fairhope. I, I can. Well, I guess I can. I mean, it's the same I'm, thing, man. I'm, yeah, I'm in Pensacola, man. I'm, I'm right down the road. It's, it's, it's practically the same thing. Actually, Fairhope. We, I was called Fairhope. No hope. <laughs> no hope over there. Don't even go there. Fairhope and Daphne, man. I, I just, I lived in Mobile for a while. That place is a. I'm not afraid to or ashamed to say this, and I, I don't care if there's any repercussions. If you're from Mobile, fuck you too. Because Mobile sucks. <laughs> I don't like it. If I could get rid of one city in the United States or the world, it would probably be Mobile, Alabama. So you have never been to Camden, New Jersey then? I have not been to Camden, New Jersey. Murder capital of the world. Oh, that's interesting. It, it is the most disgusting place you could ever imagine. It's like going into a war zone, literally. It, it's so bad that it, there's, it's not, there's no even police there. It's, it's unbelievable. Oh, wow. It's complete anarchy up there, huh? It is. It's like they, they were thinking about bringing the military in for a while. It, isn't that where uh, they based uh, that My Name is Earl? When, Maybe. When, I think that was set in Camden, which yeah. is funny. And I think also um, The Crow. Because like the movie, yeah, yeah, because in Camden on Mischief Night, they have a tradition of burning everything down, huh? It's this crazy thing on Mischief Night, they just go out and they set everything on fire. That seems, uh, it's like arson night, yeah, it seems uh, felonious and counterproductive. <laughs> That's Camden, man, and it's, like, <laughs> and it's like right across the street from uh, Philadelphia. <laughs> Uh, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it, 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 uh, make, it makes Mobile right. look like... Uh, look like paradise. Yeah. 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 It, it sounds like an experience. I'm going to have to check that out sometime. Yeah. My wife works over in Pensacola. Oh, yeah? And uh, Sam's Club there. Oh, right on. Good old Sam's Club. If you yep. need to buy pizza rolls in bulk... That's your place. <laughs> Where did I go to Pensacola? The vinyl. Yeah, the, I think they were probably about to open back up. You know, uh, Florida just entered phase three of uh, reopening. So concert halls and all that are about to open back up again. Yeah, wait to see a live show. I know, man. Like, I'm so, so looking forward to seeing live music again and stand up comedy and. That's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I saw Guar at the vinyl. Oh, nice. I saw uh, Guar at the Soul Kitchen in Mobile, actually. Several, several I heard about ago. that show. <laughs> it was a good one. Yeah. I, I've actually seen them about maybe 20 times, 30 times. Right. I've seen them quite a few. That's, uh, that's several times. That's more yeah. than a few. Yeah. More, I, than a, more than a few by a bunch. <laughs> there's just... I have a lot of bands that I've seen multiple times. Who's your favorite live band? <coughs> oh, man, I'm, that's hard to say. I don't even know. I couldn't say. I've seen so many bands, and it, to say that I, I, to, I don't even have a favorite song. You know what I mean? I don't have a, I don't have a favorite artist, I don't think. Do you have a favorite genre? Uh, not really. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. Like I, I listen to a little bit of everything except for anything on the radio right now. 
But I, I listen to, I mean, old school hip hop. I listen to, you know, classic rock. I listen to 1980s thrash metal. I listen to 1990s hardcore, late 70s horror punk. You know, I listen to a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I listen to old school blues. I listen to bluegrass. I was, you know, I'm, I'm all over the place. Yeah, you're the same as me. I listen to everything from like, rural blues and, and like new orleans jazz to right the, the heaviest nastiest loudest shit i can find yeah exactly and everything in between yeah it just depends on my mood yeah the only thing i'm not really fond of is taylor swift she's got a couple of good songs yeah i'm not silverated i'm a lady gaga i like didn't say she wasn't ever rated. I said she had a couple of good songs. And out of having several albums out, having a couple of good songs is not that much of a feat. <laughs> Zeta. Who did you say? Taylor Swift. And then uh, who did you say you, you did I, like? I, I, I like it. I like Lady Gaga. Oh, yeah? yeah? I think she's actually talented. She's uh, got a hell of a set of pipes on her and can play the hell out of that piano for sure. Yeah. Yeah, she's definitely a talented girl. How about Cardi B? I'm not a fan. You're not a fan of Cardi B? Uh, strangely enough, I'm not. I I, I, I just I can't get into it. Something what? about it. Yeah, I just can't, can't hack it, man. I was not impressed. Did you see uh, Pepper's cover of WAP? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. <laughs> It was amazing. I, I got to say that one of my favorite things and that I've seen in recent months is that it was actually several, you know, several months ago, I think sort of towards the beginning of the whole pandemic thing, maybe in March or April, but it was a, this video of Cardi B eating cereal with her tits pushed up real high and all her makeup on and her big long fingernails. And she's eating this bowl of cereal and she's like, why is this happening? I should be eating sushi and like <laughs> crying in her cereal. And it was just the most breathtaking piece of cinema. It was like watching a David Lynch masterpiece. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I'm going to have to look it up. Oh man. I'll have to find it for you and send it to you. It's really good. Yeah. I, I, I Cardi B didn't even out. come into my, my view until like two weeks ago. Oh man. You've been missing out. I know. Uh, yeah, she's uh, she's something special. I do like uh, Billie Eilish. I think she's super talented. I like Nicki Minaj. I liked, uh, I liked some of the stuff she did uh, early in her career. Uh, she did Monster with Kanye West. I thought that was a really good song. I like Anaconda. Yeah, I, I'm, I've heard that, but not. I haven't listened to it enough to really... Really plus analyze I, it for what it is. I always like the original too by Sir Mix a lot. Right. Can't go wrong with that song. I saw that guy in uh, Pensacola one time, you know, far after his career had faded, but yeah, it was interesting. And we were, we were quite the stop for, uh, you know, rappers that were popular X amount of years ago. <laughs> I think Vanilla, I think Vanilla Ice is, Played here a few times. Um, Sir makes a lot. Um, Afro Man. Yeah, 
Avril Man is cool. Yeah, yeah. He's all right. He's got some good songs. He's got a couple good songs, too. The last rap show I went to, well, I guess it would have to be Insane Clown Posse. Oh, really? Where was that at? It was in New Jersey. It was actually ICP and Guar. Oh, that's a fucking crazy lineup. <laughs> and I took my... <laughs> that's all over the place. It was my, ne- my nephew's son. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> It was good, a good times. It was a good show. Fago and Blood. Yeah, yeah. Who uh, who played first? Um, Guard did. Interesting. Yeah, Guard and then ICP. Well, I guess you got to get use the Fago to wash off the blood, right? <laughs> yeah. Actually, that night was rough, man. They're, during the Guar show, man, they were just like pulling like bodies out of the pit. Yikes. Yeah, the, things get pretty out of hand in there. Like like here in Pensacola, when I saw them in Pensacola, like they kind of like emptied the vinyl. Like people right. just left. For bar? Yeah. <laughs> Why why'd they fucking come in the first place if they were just gonna leave? I, I mean that make much sense at all. Th- there was a few like hardcore guar fans that, that were there and stayed, but, but like once say, the blood Blood and pus started getting sprayed everywhere. Everybody cleared up. Pretty much. You, no, I mean, you got you to wear all white and go in there with a pair of goggles on and be ready to get blasted. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking guar. <laughs> did you not know what you were coming to? I guess they didn't. Jeez. This is awful. I want to go right now, honey. <laughs> and, and they were like being like super rude, making fun. People, it was hysterical. I think, like, like that too made people mad. And, it's Guar. It's what they and, do. And, you know, they did like this. The, the they had like this fake Donald Trump where he ripped yes. him apart and all that kind of stuff. Yes, 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 yes. They they had that at uh, the show I went to. Except it was, I think it was a might have been George Bush at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was fucking weird. That was a good show. Yeah, God, I haven't thought about that in years. Yeah, they, they they don't care who it is. Nah, as long as they can execute them. Yeah, uh, like I said, I don't have a. Back to the original question, I don't really think I have a favorite live band. I I mean, I like everything from, you know, big production shows to little hole in the wall club shows. You know, in mm-hmm. fact, the little hole in the wall club shows are some of the best shows I've ever been to. I'll say the best band that I ever saw live. And it actually kind of, it changed my life, was The Cramps. Really? Yeah, it was the most bizarre, strangest show I ever saw. You know what? I've got an answer. My favorite live act, Scott H. Byram. If you haven't heard of him, he's a one-man band from Austin. Mm -hmm. And he's just fucking amazing. Look him up. He's super, super good. I've seen him probably 10 times, man. And uh, yeah, that was one of those life-changing shows for me, which is crazy because it's just one dude playing his ass off but uh yeah check him out for sure i'll have to but uh let's see he's actually the last person i saw play a show before the whole pandemic thing i saw him on march 15th in mobile at uh the music box uh, yeah and I then like the- he, he canceled his tour like the day after that because everything uh, shut the fuck down but uh before that the, the last big act i saw was mm-hmm. tool in new orleans and that was in february so How did you watch actually, it? 
Oh, that was an awesome show, man. That was fantastic. I don't know if you're a Tool fan. A lot of people are on that. So-so, you know. I like them. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are on that whole. It's it's cool to hate Tool bandwagon right now, which is okay. It's whatever. I I happen to enjoy their music. I don't hate anyone. Right. My last show before the pandemic was also at the Music Box. It was the Vomit Spots. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've seen those guys a few times. Yeah, they're local. Yeah, yeah. From your favorite city. Oh, yeah. Number one with a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I, just, I mean, Mobile's, it's, it's just Mobile. It's just dirty. It's a dirty port town, and, and the people are just assholes over there, man. I just didn't have a good experience when I was there. Yeah, I haven't hung out in Pensacola enough to to know the people in Pensacola. Eh, I don't hang out with the people in Pensacola anymore either, honestly. So, so where do you go, Crestview? I don't. I don't go anywhere. Hilton? <laughs> no, I don't go anywhere. I sit, I sit at home and fucking record podcasts and talk to people I want to talk to. <laughs> what do you think about people from Milton? What do you mean what do I think about them? I think they're people from Milton. That's it? <laughs> I think they exist. I know they're real. I've seen them. Because there's like this weird thing like here in Fairhope where they compare everybody to people from Milton. The people in Milton aren't bad. It's actually a pretty quaint little place. Hmm. I mean, they're a little little rednecky, but nobody, no, no more rednecky than people in the outskirts of Fairhope, you know? I forget where I think it was in Crestview. I had stopped at a Walmart to get a a bunt cake for my wife's aunt, mm-hmm. and it was like the it was like a something from like another world. There was like <laughs> thousands and thousands of kids covered in dirt running around with no shoes. Where was this at? It was in Crestview. Oh yeah, that that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, they're weird over there. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Ever? Ever. Oh, wow. And I mean, and I've been in some ghetto Walmarts in my life. <laughs> yeah. And it's just surpassed them all. Oh, man. Go to Valdosta, Georgia. Or oh, even better, Columbus. Go to, go to a Walmart in Columbus, Georgia. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Never, no offense, no offense to anybody in- from Columbus. The only place I've been in Georgia is Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Atlanta's all right. I mean, if you're in Atlanta, (laughs) I wouldn't recommend it. I've been been wanting to move to Asheville, man. That's where I want to go. I'm tired of being here on the coast, man. It's too fucking hot. I'm ready to go, uh, go enjoy some mountains in my, these waning years of my, my my midlife. (laughs) Yeah, see, I've had enough of the cold from living in New Jersey, you know. Right. Having right. living for like three or four months in a frozen wasteland. See, I'm not trying to go that cold. I'm not going New Jersey cold. I'm talking about North Carolina cold. Still sound too Alabama during the winter is too cold for me. Yeah, it's the fucking humidity down here, man. This shit'll cut you to the bone. Like it's like it's 50 30, degrees and I'm freezing. Yeah, it gets 30 degrees down here. It feels like it's 10 degrees because it's so humid all the time because we're right on the water. It's awful. It's another thing I don't enjoy about down here. 
Damn, just, the summers are just so humid and so. But, but dry out. air sucks because it dries out the inside of your nose. Oh, trust me, I know. Uh, the first time I ever went to Colorado, I I helped a friend move there in 2005. We actually drove from Pensacola in a like an old like 1993 Bronco, pulling a U-Haul trailer all the way to uh, Manitou Springs, Colorado, and I was there for maybe like a week. But man, every time I I go to sleep, I'd wake up. And my fucking nose would be bleeding <laughs> because of the dry ass air and the, uh, yeah. the altitude. I mean, this is some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's terrible. And like in New Jersey too, it's like that all winter long. It's horrible. That yeah, sounds fucking awful. To it be quite bad. honest. Um. So before the episode, you know, we we're we and we were talking about the psychedelics, right? And um. Have you used like ayahuasca or DMT or gone to South America and hung out with a shaman or anything like that? I have not done a, an ayahuasca ceremony. I would love to. I have not had the opportunity to do so yet. I haven't had the finances or the time because I'm just a poor white asshole from Pensacola, Florida. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm working on it. Uh, it. It is on my to-do list. I hope to be able to go within the next couple of years or so. I'm actually saving up some money and stuff for, for just those kinds of things right now. I, I have smoked DMT, but that's as far as I've gone with, uh, with that. Have you ever tried an isolation tank? I, I have been in an ISO tank actually. Where? Um, a friend of mine actually had one in, uh, in LA. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been trying to find one locally because I want to try it. There's a, we actually have a, there, there was a place in Pensacola that was doing it for a while. Yeah, there was one here too, but apparently I think they went out of business. I'm not sure if the one here is still open or not. Uh, that's worth looking into though, because I would be interested in going back in one because it was fascinating. Yeah, I would just, love to try that. Yeah, just the, the complete sensory deprivation provides just this, I mean, it's a psychedelic experience in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah, it's super, super interesting. Definitely. How about um, things like, well, how about like reality in general? I ask you that, you know, like when people do like the ayahuasca and stuff like that, they have these multidimensional experiences usually. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that reality is actually real or do you think it's just a manifestation of consciousness? Well, I mean, that's, I think reality is entirely subjective because there's, if we're going to be brutally honest about it, there's as many realities on the earth as there are people because everybody lives their own reality. Nobody Mm -hmm. has the exact same reality. Now there's this agreed upon consensus of the world around us that we call reality and whether that actually exists in some concrete form or not, I can't speculate on. I just don't know. Um, I'll be honest, since I, the, since after the first heavy, well, maybe not the first, but I had a very, very heavy breakthrough dose of DMT. And since then, the whole idea of reality has been a little slippery at best. I, I have a lot of questions. It really, it really does make you think because you do go to, uh, or it, it seems that you go to another place and it's, very static and it's very much the same 99% of the time. 
And I don't know whether that's just a tryptamine-based hallucination or if you're actually entering some sort of alternate reality, some sort of alternate dimension state. We just don't know enough about it to really speculate on that, I don't think. But your See, brain... Does, I, I, your, I agree. I agree that, that that reality is definitely a sketchy thing. The thing is, your brain doesn't know the difference anyway. Because if you have the experience, you have the experience. Whether it's quote-unquote reality or not, doesn't make a shit to your brain because your brain interprets it the same either way. Maybe. The same as you. The same but, as but, your but, but through drugs, you can make it not perceive it the same. What I'm saying yeah. is the experience, you can call it a hallucination. You can call it whatever you want. You can call it a mystical experience. Like I said, put any moniker on it you, you want to. The point I'm trying to make is that your brain doesn't know the difference between the hallucination and the quote-unquote reality. So it's the same thing. The experience is always the same. So what is reality? Even no your, even your, your most intense hallucinations are, are real to you at the time. So does that make them any less real because they were a hallucination? You saw it. It was there. Yeah. You know you saw it. Definitely. I mean, it's a good point. The one thing that I do think, though, about reality is that it's more conscious-based than matter-based. Oh, for sure. You know, like growing up as a kid, we were taught that, you know, everything is solid and this and that, you know. You know, know come, come and, to find and, out. And now we, you know, that view is changing. Yeah, come we're to find finding out. finding out that it's more nothing conscious. Is solid. Yeah, I said, come to find out that nothing is solid. The only reason you can't put your hand through the table is because of opposing electrical charge and magnetic charge. That's it. That's it. It's weird. It is weird. Have you ever read the, uh, there's a book by Dr. Robert Lanza called Biocentrism. Oh. It's a very, very good. I, I highly recommend it. And it goes into a lot of that. It's a, it's a lot about quantum mechanics and, uh, um, string theory and things of that nature. Not so much string theory, but kind of along the same lines. Really good read, though. And it just a, a lot of, uh, you know, the uh, the experiment that they did when they sent uh, electrons through. How did it go? They, uh, I can't remember exactly how they did it. Through the two it, slits? Right. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I mean, so matter exists only, you know, it's only matter once it becomes observed. Otherwise it's just a waveform. You know, if there's no observer, you know, it's like the whole, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound kind of thing? So, you know, it's that whole philosophical, it's, it's, you know, the allegory of the cave, basically, if you don't see it, is it there? Yeah. So do you Which think is, that we exist within only our own consciousness or do we exist within the consciousness of a higher being? I think we are that higher being. It's all the same thing. Yeah. I think you're your own God because you create the, real the reality around you. I think we're all God. Maybe many gods, I would say. That's what I'm saying. Everybody's God. I'm God. You're God. 
You're your God. I'm my but, God. But one day, I want to be like a giant God, you know, where I can like control <laughs> my own universe. But you, you know? can't. One day. I mean, you, you can do that now. It just takes a lot of self-discipline. And it's not gonna it's not gonna happen the way you think it's gonna happen. But you can definitely manifest things in your universe. How do I do it? You gotta put the work in, man. Just like the like like your podcast. You uh you had the idea to do a podcast and you did it. You manifested it, you made it happen. You created that. No, I went on Amazon and bought a microphone. Yeah, and and thus we're able to to make a podcast. <laughs> I didn't say you were gonna have to, you know, like I said, you gotta put the work in. That might, oh, might that might mean buying a microphone. That might mean getting a Libsyn account or what you know, whatever syndication you use. If, if you do, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you have to do to do it, you do these things and you manifest what are, you know the outcome. So, what made you want to start a podcast? Uh, yet again, I'm an insane person and <laughs> I'm uh, a glutton for punishment. No, I, it's, I enjoy talking with people and I, I, I'm curious about so many things that I thought it would be a good avenue to be able to reach out and, and talk to people about these subjects. Like I said, it started as a, as a recovery podcast. That was the idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of went off the rails from there. And uh, I mean, it's still a recovery podcast in, in a sense, because I do still talk a lot about recovery and still have a lot of guests that are recovery based guests. You know, they're in, they're either recovering addicts or there's specialists in the field of addiction. So, you know, there's, there's that, but I don't know, man, I just, I just like talking to people and uh, I like being fucking stupid and, Cracking silly jokes and making weird intros and doing silly shit like that. It just seemed like something fun to do and idle hands of the devil's play thing. So I figured I'd either start a podcast or go insane and probably start using it again or something. So with with the uh, recovery stuff, how do you approach uh, the people of the anonymous sort? Are you saying the uh, the twelve step faction? Yeah, because the, 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 they like to remain anonymous. Yeah, that's an that's a interesting question. Yeah, they, they, they like to remain anonymous, but then they, they, say, they all say their names at the meeting. It's kind of weird. And I, I get that they, they want a certain amount of anonymity because, unfortunately, and that's, that's one thing I, I do want to talk about while we're on the subject, there's so much shame attached to addiction. There's so much societal stigma and it's such a taboo to say, I have a problem and I, I'm seeking help for it. It's almost, it, like I said, it's shameful in a way. You know, people, people look down on you if you admit to having an addiction problem where most people have addiction problems. Most people, especially in the South, I mean, well, everywhere, let's be realistic, across the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know the South because that's where I have my empirical data from. Now, you know, I was raised here. I grew up here. So this is what I've seen. Everybody drinks, man. Everybody. They, they don't have to be doing hardcore drugs. They don't have to be doing heroin. They don't have to be doing crack or any meth or anything like that. But most everybody drinks. Most everybody. You'd be hard-pressed to find, out of 100 people, you'd be hard-pressed to find, you know, 
10 of them that don't at all ever have a drink or something. Everybody's addicted to something, whether it's alcohol or nicotine or religion or food or whatever. Everybody's got Mm -hmm. something. So, you know, I don't know, man. Addiction is just a weird thing. But as far as the anonymity thing, I don't give a shit about anonymity. I don't know if you've listened to many episodes of my podcast, but I'm pretty open and pretty candid about my my past. And my name's all over this thing, so <laughs> there's there's no anonymity there. But I that's one of the things that I used to to hold myself accountable and uh, to strive to just be that better person, you know, every day is because uh, I am honest about everything, and I I really don't want to have to get on on my podcast and be like, yeah, I, uh, I relapsed and, uh, just went and shot a bunch of heroin and, you know, like that's not a fun story. So I use, I use it to hold myself accountable. And, uh, but, uh, you know, if, if people want to remain anonymous, I've, I've had people that, you know, that I go to meetings with, like, uh, I don't really go to too many 12 step meetings, but I go to, like I said, the refuge recovery meetings and I've had people that I, I go with, Mm-hmm. It want to maintain that anonymity because they, you know, they're in whatever field they're in, you know, it would look bad if people knew that they were in recovery. Like, and I, I keep trying to explain to them, like, yeah, I mean, there's that side of the fence that says, sure, it looks bad because you're in recovery for addiction. But then if you, if you look at you're in recovery for addiction, like you're seeking help, you're doing something about it, you're being proactive, which I think is monumental in itself if you if you have the balls to actually go get help and address the issue then like that just displays a tremendous amount of courage in my opinion yeah it does like i said i mean i'm for the anonymity as far as you know if people want to remain anonymous that's cool i don't because i'm trying to help people and and just kind of normalize it and be like look shit's fucked up and you know it's like for a lot of people, that's that's their release is that that little bit of a reality escape, whatever it happens to be. So, so do you think, like, in the, from a Buddhist point of view, um, everybody's addicted to something. That that's just people trying to escape the inevitable suffering that the Buddha talked about. Absolutely, it's the their attachment. And that attachment is, you know, repetitive craving. Now it's subjective as to what you're craving, but yeah, I think that exists pretty per, you know, pervasively with everybody. I, I, I could see that happening. You know, I think everybody has some type of crutch. I mean, I don't see it happening. I mean, it just is. That's yeah. the human, that's the human experience. That's the reason the four noble truths exist. This yeah. is what the this is what the Buddha was talking about. <laughs> I wonder if I'm addicted to podcasting. I am, in a way. I'm addicted to the. Uh, yeah, yeah, for for sure. I'm addicted to just the whole process of it, the ritual of it. Well, mess. I'm addicted to podcasting, playing guitar, reading books. Oh yeah, man, for it's sure. A disaster. Yeah, me too. Still love playing guitar. Love to read. My new thing's been going to the gym for the past year or so. That's been my my big addiction lately. Yeah, I don't do the gym. Nah, I love it, man. I I struggle with it because I don't have feeling in my right leg, so I always oh, fall yeah. down. 
Yeah, that that would complicate things for sure. Yeah, I hate falling down. Yeah, that's uh, and people laugh at me every time I, I fall down on the freaking treadmill. Everybody's like, ha, 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 like look at him. Don't be like it's fucking terrible. Chucked, not being like chucked across the gym. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, God, you go to a gym full of assholes. Did anybody try to help you up? No, no, man. It's just a bunch of meatheads. Oh, well, that's you need to find a different gym, man. Uh, we only got one gym in Fairhope. One? One gym. Wow. Planet that's, Fitness. That's unfortunate. The most judgmental gym in the world. <laughs> Everything's purple in there, too. Weird. <laughs> it's purple. <laughs> yeah, so I just uh, I just walk. There you go. And do you do oh, any like do you do any like Thich Nhat Han like walking meditations? I used to in New Jersey. We used to have a labyrinth that we used to walk. Mm, that seems daunting. No, it's not. <laughs> it, was, it was actually really nice, actually. I, I bet it was very and relaxing. Very cool. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I can see it, that. Was, it was very chill. Um, yeah, but not down here, you know. No. Nope, no labyrinths down here. Just actually, here. actually, there is a labyrinth here in Fairhope, though. Is there really? There is at the Quaker behind the Quaker Church. Huh. I'd have to go down there with a leaf blower to blow off the leaves so you could see it. <laughs> right, right. But it, but it's there. Interesting. I'll have to check into that. That'd be fun to do. Yeah, somebody made it. No, I mean obviously, <laughs> it didn't grow that way. <laughs> <laughs> I could paint one on the road. Oh, um. What would the purpose of that be? Oh, maybe people walk the labyrinth in the middle of the road and then get run over. Maybe. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're, in, in, if in you're fact, going, when you think about it in a way, I mean, crosswalks are kind of like a labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you pay attention to the lines. Exactly. And, you know, I've never understood. They, they paint the, the lines on the road and they say you can't drive there, but they never, you know, let you put anything there to prevent you from driving there, like nails or glass or something. Yeah. I'm glad they don't because I never, it, I never yeah. stay between the two lines. It'd make it more interesting. Yeah. I don't want to stay between the two lines. Yeah. We, 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 in the coloring as a kid. Yeah. Did you stay between the lines then? No. Yeah, me neither. Not at first. And then I got really meticulous about it because I developed this weird OCD tick. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure what trauma induced that, but it exists. It was probably your grandfather. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it sounds like you scare anybody into staying between the lines. <laughs> he, was a, he was a strict authoritarian. <laughs> and a fucking Nazi. That's messed up. <laughs> no, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. I do not espouse his uh, his political views or ideology. And uh, he actually passed away while I was in jail in 2014. So I did not attend the funeral. Not that I would have anyway. Did anybody? I probably. 
it's the South. They look over things like that down here, right? Does he have a Confederate flag on his tombstone? He was a Confederate flag. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your opinion? You know what? This is one thing I, uh, I wonder about down here. Some people, you know, I see pickup trucks with the Confederate flag and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's on a lot of the symbol in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's a racist symbol? I think it is now. I think it was originally. I mean, of course. I think that flag's bullshit. Fuck that flag. You, nobody alive right now has any attachment to that flag other than as a as some ideal that was instilled in them because they think because they're from the South, like, oh, it's heritage. Like, no, well, your heritage is fucking slavery. So, like, you might want to get rid of that fucking bullshit flag. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to not think that. I used to be like, no, oh, it's just a heritage thing. I'm like, what? And then my, my opinion changed, honestly. I was like, you know, it's a choice to have that thing flying. And like, if you choose to do that, when you know that it offends people like that, that bothers me. But see, I'm not across the board like that either. I don't feel like as far as like speech is concerned, I don't, like, I don't get on board with a lot of the PC stuff just because mm-hmm. I, I think it's completely antithetical to the the first amendment so how about but i I don't feel that 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 flying that fucking piece of shit flag is necessary or should be protected under any kind of first amendment rights it's it's unnecessary now speech is a different thing i don't i don't think your speech should be stifled but that's that's an entirely different animal so the school here in fairhope is called robert e lee school oh wow now of course should they change the name of that school? I mean, they can do what they want with the school. But what do you think? Do you, you think Robert E. Lee was a racist? I mean, for sure Robert E. Lee was a racist. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not from down here. So. <laughs> it's like I mean, one of the things. Like, like I, I, I was totally blown away by this stuff when I moved here. You know, this, this shit never comes up in New Jersey. <laughs> Why would it? You know, nobody up there like, even thinks of this kind of shit. I mean, I can only speculate as to his, uh, you know, his political views. But I mean, if you're one of the commanding officers in the Confederate Army, you're probably fairly racist, I would assume. I don't even know if it would be called racist then. It would just be called, you know, colonial white American. Maybe they thought of themselves as entrepreneurs. Yeah. I don't know. Perhaps. I'm not, if you know, to be a fly on the wall, right? <laughs> it's strange. I, did, I had no idea that this stuff even existed. Just like I didn't know they were still mad at people from the north. Who? The people in the south. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You bunch of fucking carpetbaggers up there, right? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I went for, applied for a job cleaning pools. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the lady was really up front. She's like, I'm not hiring a Yankee. Hey, are you <laughs> serious? Yeah, she's like, go somewhere else. Wow. See, that, that, that just goes to show that like people have no identity of their own. They get into this, this group identity where they're like, well, I'm from the South. So that, then that becomes their personality because they have nothing else going on for them. They have no real, real traits of their own. So they adopt this facade 
of what, you know, whatever. I mean, it doesn't have to be limited to, you know, looking dark and dark from the South, but you know, just whatever it is, even like uh, all these people lately that are proclaiming themselves to be Marxists or whatever, this, this group think thing that's going on is just, I don't know. It's very pervasive in culture right now. And it's, I think it's going to be to our detriment. So maybe I should stop considering, because I've always considered myself an anarchist. I mean, but people, people never really know what to make of that. Like, like being an anarchist now for some reason is associated with being a Democrat, which doesn't make any sense. No, not really. You know, not, not when you get to the, like the, the root, you know, of anarchism. Yeah, I, got, I don't. I don't get how the people make that association when anarchism just means that there's no central person or authority in control. Right. Exactly. A, a key word being central, like it could be run by different groups of separate entities that right. run independently, but there's no central type of control. Well, you know, people, when you say the word anarchy, people you know think Molotov cocktails and complete civil unrest that's where people's minds go because they don't know the actual definition of anarchy. Same thing when you use the word conspiracy, people don't know what the fucking meaning of conspiracy is. So they're like, Oh, it's conspiracy. It's like, Oh, you mean more than one person plotted to do something like me and me and him went to the grocery store. So we conspired to go to the grocery store. That's all conspiracy means. You know, people just don't, people don't grasp the English language anymore. I, I don't think people read enough. I don't think people, have any reading comprehension or really think things through or process things or think before they speak generally. Yeah. Do you think uh, technology is making people stupid? I think it has the capability to make people the smartest we've ever been or the dumbest we've ever been. It just, it's all in how you use your time. We have an unlimited wealth of knowledge at our fingertips. You could educate yourself on almost any subject you want now purely by typing in what you want to find on the opposite side of that we have social media we have facebook we have instagram we have twitter we have all these wonderful distractions to keep you good and stupid so Hmm. it's a personal decision how you want to spend your time if you want to spend your time educating yourself i recommend that but you can also spend time you know posting memes and watching videos on youtube that aren't beneficial to you Go watch some makeup tutorials. I mean, that could be beneficial to you if you plan on pursuing that as a career or you wear makeup. But, you know, if you're just watching unpacking videos, like, what are you doing with your fucking, what are you doing with your time? You know, like, you know, that's a conversation I was having with somebody the other day. You know, going back to what we were talking about with uh, activism and things of that nature, it's like, you know, how can you, how can you initiate change how are you going to initiate change in the world when you don't even have your own life in order? You know, so people can, you know, use the internet to their advantage or they can use it to their ultimate detriment, which I think is what's happening with the majority of the population. So yeah, I think as a whole technology is making people stupider. Unfortunately, because it could go the other way. It can make us the best we've ever been, but people are easily distracted. Yeah, I I totally agree there too because you have the opportunity to learn anything you possibly want by, you know, 
looking something up and and learning about it. But people don't seem to do that. No, they don't. And that's unfortunate. As someone who values education and knowledge and tries to just read as much as I possibly can. I mean, I, when I've got the time, I just devour books. You know, I, I hold it in such high regard. I think it's so important to be well-read, well-spoken, and articulate. Yeah, that, I've always read a lot, too. But, you know, I, I can't expect myself from others in, in any facet of life. So it's un- just an unfortunate tragedy that people aren't using it to the full advantage that they could be. It's probably just another addiction. Oh, for sure. No, it's it's absolutely an addiction. One of the worst ones. Absolutely. I mean, I, I see people addicted to that more than I see them addicted to almost anything else. You think one day they'll be like a Facebook anonymous? I don't see why there wouldn't be. It's just another form of addiction. It's just another process addiction. Yeah. And why not? If it if it ne- negatively impacts your life in some way, then you may want to seek help for it. So, well, who's to say that that's not going to become a thing? I guess we're going to find out, huh? I think so, yeah. I think eventually, you know, people will, there'll be some kind of need, some type of help from the breakaway from some of the social media stuff. Right. You know? Like what I find amazing is like how like how how addicted people are like to TikTok, like oh, yeah. I, like I don't get it. It's just like just just they're just stupid short videos, right? And that that's exactly what I was talking about. Like just mind numbing, just completely mind numbing, pointless. I mean, entertaining for sure for some. I I don't find it entertaining, but I'm a cranky old man, so what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're as old as me, though. I'm not. I'm I'm 39. Oh yeah, you're still a kid, man. I'm fifty. <laughs> I'm fifty something. I'm not even sure how old <laughs> that I have forgot. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it matters. It's all it's, it's all how it's all how you feel, man. I feel like I've gone past my expiration date. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a I'm like a piece of meat that's just starting to rot somewhere. Yeah, entropy is a very real thing. <laughs> Went went too far. Yeah. Oh man, it's been great talking to you. Thanks, man. It's been fun. I've had yeah. a had a had a great time, man. Yeah. Speaking of old age, it's past my bedtime. Ah, I feel you. I got a million <laughs> things I got to do before bed too. I still got a man. So much shit to do, and then I got to drive an hour up to the northern part of the county. So. All right. But man, have a good night. Thanks for having me on. You too. Thanks. Yeah, man. All right. All right. Later. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. Please like and review this podcast on whatever platform you are using. It helps this podcast move up in the ranks and easier for people to find. Also, tell your friends, family, co-workers, and even that weird uncle. Which I would be that weird uncle. If anyone wants to be a guest, you can email me at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn. 
Our website is www.everythingimaginable2020.com. On Patreon is patreon.com forward slash everythingimaginable. You can make a donation to support this podcast. Remember, everything that is was first imagined. Thank you for listening, and see you next week. You know, yes, you can also buy my book, Enlightenment Guarantee, the only book on Zen you'll ever need. It's available on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback.